welcome to the Fence End Podcast. Uh, full house today, myself, Fraser, Paul and Liam. How are we guys? Yeah, good. Yeah, thank you. Good. Hello. And we also have a, a special, well, a very special guest uh, in in the person of Jerome Sale. Hi, Jerome. Hi, how are you guys? Nice to be Very on your well. podcast rather than just listening to it. Uh, <laughs> do you know, it means so much that you listen to it. And when you put that little, we we are, we gave you a challenge of saying you love the Kassam um, and you did it. And we just got so many responses on Twitter going, he's just done it. So, yeah, that was really nice. <laughs> I'm a little bit starstruck. I must say, I'm knowing, you know, I've done the, uh, the wasn't at the game a few times and it's, I still see you and think it's Jerome off the telly. It's Jerome off the radio. <laughs> I, you know, I think there's, there's still, even though, I, like I said, I've been lucky enough and you've invited me on a few times and, and you've made me feel very welcome. Well, that's very I, kind I still of get you. Starstruck. It's very kind of you to say so. And I do, when you come on, wasn't at the game, do think, ah, oh, that's Simon from the Fenton pod. And I, <laughs> I am also a little starstruck, but I think the beauty of um, Oxford United is that ultimately we're all, you know, Simon or Liam or Jerome or Fraser off the, the London road or the beach road or, you know, the East end or whatever it, whatever it is. And that's kind of why well, I hope um, Oxford United always is, is kind of, we're all part of the same family, aren't we? Whichever Absolutely. we're in at the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And no. the, the fact that you've just missed out Paul, who's my brother, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be rubbing that in for, for absolutely years. So thanks for that. It's because, it's because of the four pre-match, it was my fault, wasn't it? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, I went for, for a win against Port Vale and yeah. you both warned me. Mm. Yeah. 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 No, that is into... true. That That yeah. is true. We did. We did. Yeah. Um, and and I did say you knew here, Paul, and I kind of felt that you must have known that result was coming <laughs> if you'd ever been to Oxford United. Yeah, I just, I'd, I'm, I'm kind of, it's, it's just before the game I suddenly get this confidence that we're going to do something. It's just yeah, it's yeah. foolish. It's yeah. foolish. Jerome just didn't want to mention Paul because he's usually speaking to a Paul just after a loss. So <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Yeah, Jerome, does that annoy you that you get so many calls immediately after a loss and then you might get one if we win? No, it's it, I like... Do you know it's a silver lining to the defeat, Liam? That's the best way I can say. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, That's absolutely it, is, yeah, isn't like, it? it yeah. A, a proper, really noticeable thing that, like, just knowing, going up to... Say, the penalty got given on Saturday... I went up to avoid people storming out as soon as um, as soon as the whistle went. So I went and stood stood next to you then. And as soon as the penalty goes in, it's like oh, I'm going to say like two things in the next hour <laughs> because you'll just get a flood of of phone calls. And and you know a lot of them were were actually in good spirits. So it was yeah. It and was it's quite all, a good it's, phone it's always been like that, and it's kind of the nature of being a football fan, isn't it? Um, what's kind of interesting as well is that in the last year. Maybe it's partly because of the the format of the show changed a little bit, but we actually get as many calls as we used to, you know, pre social media. Because a lot of chance, a lot of times now, you get the chance to kind of vent in a control way on forum or on X or whatever it is, and um, you don't necessarily need that that moment to go on the radio. But actually, it's really nice. The calls have actually gone up. Or maybe it was just the bad results we had last season. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Bad news sells, doesn't it? I think that's probably the, the, right, uh, the right, takeaway from right, that. Right, we'll we'll talk about the uh, the form and and um, you know in the season so far. Um, we'll we'll talk a bit about the the women's team and and the, the potentially the the stadium and the news around that. But I know um, Liam has got something. Uh, to start with, I think. It's a little surprise for you, Jerome. Um, I've got a little speed quiz for you. 
Um, oh, you never said anything is, about this. No, well, the line might drop out. Surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, I should say for all of these, um, you can plead the fifth, and we're we're going to let you do that. But we will know what that means. That's what I'm going <laughs> to say uh, to most of these questions. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, we have allowed you not to answer them. Uh, the other thing before I do this quiz, I, I put on Twitter, "What would you ask Jerome?" Um, if if you could and i got a few things in on twitter so i'll ask you those separately right. but are you are you ready for your special surprise quiz? no no i'm not <laughs> <laughs> i i think that works better for a surprise okay um, brilliant i feel like we should have some sort of music they didn't do this on tip manor by the way no well that might feature in one of the questions <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh right okay so answer as quickly as you can and as i said you don't have to answer all of them um Obviously, we don't want to get you into hot water. Uh, right. Your favourite Oxford United player of all time? Aldridge. John. John Aldridge. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, your favourite shirt sponsor of all time? Unipop. How many days did it take for you to learn Tiger's full name? Two. Do beans belong on a full English? Yes. In a ramekin? I don't know what that means. In a little dish separately or all over the shop? How posh do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> 0910 or 1516? 0910. Carl Robinson or Liam Manning? For what? Oxford United manager? Yes. Oh, it's, it's always about the here and now. Manning. Okay. Uh, Bourbon or custard cream? No. <laughs> no. Oh, wow. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, Favourite signing of pre-season this year? Rodriguez. Home, away or third kit? Third. Do you believe in a thing called love? Yes. Which manager have you hated the most? If you were rephrase that to got on with least, I could probably give you an answer. Which manager have you got on with least the most? <laughs> well, hold Mark, on. I'll do that again. Mark Wright. <laughs> okay, yeah, lovely. <laughs> uh, best goal you've ever commentated on? Best goal? Oh, that's... Yes. Um, do, you, do you talk about the quality or like the most exciting or... The quality. I really like Joey Beecham's goal at Swansea. Yeah, good shout. Uh, which opposition club do you dislike their media broadcast team the most? Well, that's a good question. I know you want it to be quick. Um, Northampton. Who's your favourite doctor from Doctor Who? Tom Baker. Favourite chant? I liked the one about the number of fingers after the six in a row. Yeah, good shout. Uh, to Manor or Fence End? Fence End. I'm all about the here and now, you heard earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Harris or Nathan Cooper? I'm going to say Nathan. I'm not sure Nick would listen to the fence end. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, George Ellick or Ben Perkis? I'm going to say George Ellick because I'm not sure Ben would listen to the fence end. <laughs> uh, what sauce would you get from the chip shop? I wouldn't. I'd have it at home. Okay. Um, and which football club has the best media room, food and hospitality? Uh, um, I mean, in the round, Sunderland. Fair enough. Um I'm I'm curious about the you said Northampton at one point. I'm wondering if mm. that's the here and now type thing. Well, I didn't go this week, so that's more generally. I wasn't at that's... the game, Jerome, okay. on Tuesday. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, lovely. The uh, questions we got in from people were some of them overlapped actually. Um, uh, which uh, away press box press box do you like the most, and why? Uh, I like Reading quite a lot. Um, it was the kind of it was the press box that we should have had until the spec got ripped out of the Kassam. Uh, uh, nice, nice view, lots of space, um, not too cramped. 
Lovely. Um, who's been your least favourite Oxford United manager, you answered, um, or chairman to interview? I mean, I, it depends what you're looking for. I mean, Tiger took a fair bit of um, editing, Sumrit Tanakar and Janet Soot. I learned it, so I'm going to use it now. It's not, <laughs> don't, get, don't get to say it as often as I once did. Um, do you know, the what I would say about managers is there's sort of general expectation that some of them are, are bad. I, I have to be honest with you, like personal relationships have all been pretty good mark wright was difficult but i think that was partly because he was just really struggling in his first role as a as a football league manager some of the others and i i guarantee there'll be some that you think you we wouldn't have got on with with the media we actually really did on you know the personal human relationships have actually been really good over the years um haven't been as many chairmen i mean um robert maxwell was quite difficult i suppose but that was when that was very early in my career. That is, um, I, I think there's a potential can of worms there with, uh, with that line. Um, there was one thing that um, Fraser wanted me to ask uh, immediately after the uh, Manning Robinson one, which I feel now would be a good time because, uh, so Fraser, if we go over to you, because he can't answer with here or now, but he can still plead the fifth. Well, it's only because it comes up a lot with fans in in kind of the current fan community but uh Carl Robinson or Michael Appleton I I got on I got on with both really really well very different relationships but both perfectly fine and I suspect will be in the future as well when I when I've spoken to them kind of post their time as Oxford United boss so kind of go back to the answer I've just given really that um they're very different characters so it's a little bit like comparing two things that aren't the same but yeah both of them with in their dealings with with the media generally and myself personally I, I, you know like them both do you find you keep in touch with a lot of kind of former managers as they leave the club then is that because there are other clubs that we play against or just kind of in general yeah so a little bit depends on how how long they're at the club and how sort of deep the relationships got some managers like to keep um your relationship becomes a little bit more than just uh we turn up to do interviews and that kind of thing um others it's very business-like uh, Liam Manning and Michael Appleton probably more in the uh the second category others you're with them for a long time you actually get to know them a little bit more uh, particularly when you're in the kind of the lower reaches you know the league twos and the conference days were, were particularly like that and you go through some some t- stuff together to be honest with you so it creates a little bit of a bond so what you what you find is it's as it is with a lot of relationships got a lot of you know um, positive relationships you have with work colleagues, if you like, that you ne- don't necessarily speak to these people for for days on end, weeks on end, even years on end, but you know that they're at the end of the phone if if you need a favour or that or they do, and that's that's kind of nice. But it, that's no different to any other kind of working relationships that anyone would have, I guess. Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm I'm gonna no, no, no. Go, go back go back to the questions from um, from X. Um, what's been your uh, most iconic day out at Wembley? At- I I assume it's between two. <laughs> um, yeah, and they're very different for me because one, I was lucky enough to be old enough to be at the Milk Cup final and the other was the, the playoff final. And the playoff final is probably one of my, the professional highlights of my life and the, the Milk Cup final, one of the personal highlights of my life. So to ask me, it's almost like trying to get me to pick between my two children. It's 
It's I, I love them both. All right, I was going to say which is your That's favorite your child. Next question. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, I'm going to say my son because my daughter doesn't listen to the friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, uh, we've got a question now from Tim Walker. Uh, firstly, Jerome, is there anything you'd like to say to Tim? I'd like to say hi, Tim. Ah, there we go. Um, he'll send you a photo of a football as a thank you, I'm sure. Right. Um, from a position of having to cover every game in a professional capacity, do you ever feel that you're missing out on a typical fan experience? Yeah, I've got used to it now. I, I, there, there's been a couple of times where I've thought, do you know what I'd love to be, particularly in that away end. Um, the Martinez goal at, at Middlesbrough, for example, you kind of feel like, that's one of those moments where I just kind of saw the limbs and thought, you know, that would be, that would be great to to be in there. But ultimately it's, yeah, maybe. Although, do you know what? I saw the, um, I saw the limbs at, at Swindon and the limbs were better for the circum equalizer. Cause I reckon everyone was, oh, was still yeah. knackered from when uh, the equalizer <laughs> had gone in when Rob yeah. Hall scored. So my, my opinion was that the, uh, the limbs were better for the circum equalizer, but yeah, the feeling when uh, the hall goal went in would be, um, would be up there too. Uh, but, and I suppose um, what I would say that people might not necessarily feel is what tends to happen is you get that kind of delayed um, reaction. So you're, you're kind of a, on a professional senses heightened until you come off air. So uh, say when we finished at Wembley in 2010, the absolute buzz probably an hour after everybody else had it was unbelievable. But I can I I can't even begin to tell you the low after the Orient game in in two thousand and six was it um, the the low then that is kind of delayed because you're still worrying about let's get the show out let's make sure the the calls are working all the rest of it and then like that six to six thirty moment after that game um, you still get those kind of those fan emotions they're just not necessarily at the same time as everybody else um, they're suspended I suppose. I always felt another particular bad one was that following year, the Exeter playoff semi. That was, oh, because it was kind of like as bad as Orient was. You thought, well, we'll go back up next year. Yeah. And then as soon as, was it Steve Tully scored that penalty? You thought, oh, yeah. God, there's another year of this. <laughs> yeah. I, do you know, I felt that was a, I mean, younger listeners, you, you never know what you had to go through. But I remember that being a really difficult summer, not just a really difficult night, because it was like, Every day was a day that you couldn't do anything about getting back into the league. So mm-hmm. waiting for the season to roll around again and for Dennis Strodwick to finish handwriting the fixtures, um, maybe to give us a Saturday game every week. You just think this is a day we're not trying to get out of the conference. And it, it was really hard. But I remember speaking to Chris Hargreaves that night after that after that game. Um, and I kind of think the expectation was that United were going to go to Wembley. And his his little kid, his little son, who I suspect is now is probably the one that's playing now, <laughs> um, was he said he'd gone to sleep and he had to wake him up in the morning and and oh. say, No, we're not going to Wembley. And you just think, yeah, that's that's what that night was like. That that is, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> I, I think we've all not necessarily that exact story, but we've all had that sense of disappointment and well, what do we do now? Um and it, it's where you sort of realise when you look at those years in the conference and stuff, even when people talk about, oh, I've been a season to Gelder for 56 years and this is the worst football I've ever seen, you realise how lucky we are now watching the games we're watching, playing the teams we're playing. And even when you do feel low, 
there is a, a big positive there that sometimes it's helpful to take stock and, and realise. But one thing I would say, and I think I, I've been guilty of this as well over the last, you know, 15 years, is that sometimes I think that's allowed us as a, as a, as a group that cover Oxford United or follow Oxford United to accept mediocrity a little bit because it's not as bad as it was then. And yeah, I don't think we're there now. I think we're we're through that. But for a long time, it was oh yeah, you know, we finished mid table in League Two, but you know, it could be worse. We could have lost to Drawsden again. Yeah, and well, I guess the other the other side of that coin is at some point we're going to go through tough times again. Um, I'm I'm not saying we're completely out of them now, but you know, it's it's a yo yo, isn't it? The the football league and and how every every club does. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, but you hear, I was hearing from an Everton fan this week that was saying, you know, how, how football's a um, metaphor for life and it pre- football prepares you for the ups and downs of, of, of life. And I'm thinking, yeah, as an Everton fan, unless you're like over 75, you don't remember being anything other than the top flight. So it's it's all relative. The the last question we got on, on X was, um, I, I'm guessing, quite personal to you <laughs> on account that it's, do you ever buy breakfast on a Saturday morning from the Kidlington Costa? Obviously, there are other coffee shops available, um, and I'm assuming it's someone who knows full well that. Well, I'm assuming someone has seen you buying breakfast before. Who cares? <laughs> it, I mean, that's a valid question. Uh, and Max Page. So uh, that's all the questions we we had on X. Uh, so thank you for answering the surprise quiz. Um, and uh, Simon, do you want to talk about some football now? I will. Yes. Yeah. Well, <laughs> here's another question: What chance do you think Liam Manning has of of becoming the first Oxford manager to win Manager of the Month since Ramon Diaz in January 2005? It's the stats back him up. For August, no other mm. club has won, has you know, has gained more points than we have. So, surely he should he should be Manager of the Month. Can I plead the fifth on this? Because I know the answer. I'm not allowed to say. Yes, you can. We'll we'll move swiftly on (laughs) just and and talk generally about the the start to the season we've had with, you know, um, say those those five wins and a defeat in August in the league and then a a defeat against Port Vale on on um, on Saturday. But as a start to the season after what was a, a tough end to last season. I think it's, it's gone beyond, I think most fans expectations. I think we, as you know, at the podcast have been more than, uh, more than happy with it. Um, mm-hmm. From your sort of point of view, I think, uh, do you think feel it's gone better than you would have expected? Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been kind of ups and downs within the first couple of months of the season. And I'm talking about like pre-season and, and, and August thrown in the, I feel like we learned a lot from the Cambridge game and I think it will mean that we'll we're we'll always be wary, maybe not so complacent. Um and the other defeat being Port Vale, which I actually didn't mind. I, I obviously really detested the way that it came about, but I felt like it wasn't it didn't come from a bad performance, whereas I, f- I felt the the Cambridge game was a bad performance. Um so yeah, let it was only really once we got to the final couple of games of pre-season where I actually thought, you know what, Oxford are potentially able to really challenge here rather than just not be as bad as they were last year. Um, and there have been some real kind of positives, but they haven't necessarily come from the, the the signings. You know, a lot of people talked about 
a really good transfer window, which it has been, 10 or 11 signings, most of whom look as if they really are going to be able to contribute. And it's led to real com- competition in every single position in the team. But it's actually about the way players like Goodrum have kicked on, the way that Odonka has been able to seriously compete for a, for a place in the first team. Um, the way that Negru has, has made the place his own after such a limited amount of game time, both in Ireland and in here. There's just been like bonuses all over the pitch that have supported the signing. So that's a long answer to a to a short question, Simon. Yeah, uh, I think it's really good. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, the likes of Marcus McGuane has has stepped up fantastically well this season when when he didn't start the first couple of games. We had, you know, McEachran starting those games. And it's it's that like you say, everyone's had to step up and, and improve because of the quality that's been brought in. It's not like, oh you know, yeah, we we filled the squad, but like, you know, they're yeah, not so as good as me, it. kind of thing. It's Correct, it, yeah. they, they've they those players. You know, Negru, you'd argue, well, nowhere near the experience of Thornley, but he's now keeping him out the side. Now he's back fit. You know, it's kind of, there's that, our, our players, you're right, you know, you mentioned and Goodrum and, and, and the like, have had to step up. Well, they, they didn't have to, but <laughs> they did if they wanted to play in the, <laughs> True, in the yes. team regularly. And, you know, you're going to go to the Fleetwood game, and as it stands, you've got Sam Long, who I think will probably be in in a in a position to challenge for a place. Um, you've got Jordan Thornley, you've got Josh McEachran, and these are guys who won't, I don't think, get into the starting lineup. That's crazy, crazy mm-hmm. good. Yeah, I think um, Edwards Edwards on um, Tuesday night was Northampton, wasn't it? Um, I thought he had a, a cracking game, and for I I don't know if he was talked about for for weeks or months before he was brought in but it seemed a bit almost reactive to Marcus Brown's injury and I, I he just looked great his his pace the way he was working with the team he obviously a, a threat in front of goal because he scored um I, I think there, there have been times where we've strengthened and even when we've gone oh well that's that's a handy person to have he's he's upped what we've got he's not just uh, a squad uh, he's not just depth he's he's a first teamer yeah exactly right and not every player that oxford sign is going to be one that starts for that starts 40 games but actually now this season more than ever you feel like the, the being able to influence the game off the bench for players players might make 15 starts and 30 sub appearances that's perfectly legitimate actually having a squad that's able to have three or four of those players that can positively impact off the bench and I'm not saying Edwards is 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 here to do that but that's what he did at Ipswich and look where they ended up at the end of last season so yeah I I think there's a there's a lot to like the competition for places is good I think the cup the, the subtle change in formation has really helped McGuane and to an extent Brannigan um because the, the these two Pivot midfielders, holding midfielders, call you what you will. It's given the it has given each the license to to go forward a little bit, and that's made life difficult for McEachern. But I think it's really helped the way that that United have been able to play. Yes, yeah, it, and and having the likes of McEachern to come on at the, in the end of games with his experience, and if you know if we need need to uh, to sort of eke out a, a point, which we nearly did against Port Vale, but mm. uh, yeah, there's there's that definite quality there. All, all over the pitch, I think. We're, the, uh, we we spoke on the pod recently about the the only position we felt perhaps we could have got another one in was as a centre forward. Um, 
without naming names, do you know if we were close to that? I mean, it, it, the club seemed to be very, very sort of um, closed off in terms of the, the rumours that used to come out don't seem to come out anymore. Yeah, I think it, it's interesting is that some of the some of the signings that were made over the summer were um, well reported and, and touted. Others like Edwards came a little bit out of the blue. Uh, I don't think they were making any secret that they were trying to sign a, a, another forward. And what they also were clearly not going to do is just sign a body because there's no point in blocking Odonka with a player that's not more effective than Odonka. Uh, you've got um, Sonny Perkins who's going to be able to, to to play there and may have to if Odonka's not fit for the, for the Fleetwood game. Uh, but... My understanding is that they absolutely were trying to bring in a quality centre forward, that they were prepared to spend money. And ultimately, uh, the clubs who had the players that they were interested in did not want to sell. And there's nothing you can do about it. I applaud their ambition. I also applaud them for not just signing a body for the sake of it. Mm. And and not, you know, spending beyond what they felt was the right price for it, you know, for a, for a player. I guess that's... A... A, a position we'll look at in in January if we need to. Um, and, and... Situation might be different then, Simon, because I think they were, you know, if you think about it, Harris is um, twenty four, Odonka and Perkins are are young. Clearly, they were looking for a you know a, a veteran, if you like, to mm. to play or to be this fourth centre forward, and that wasn't available to them. January, we might be in a, a different situation, and the club might be looking in a in a different way. So. And whilst I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if they revisited some of the players that they've looked at this summer, uh, equally, they might feel they they don't need to or there's a different way to strengthen. Um, and the and, and the women's team, um, not a great start to the season, losing the the unbeaten home record that stretched back um, a couple of years or so. Um, and and no manager yet in, in place. But the two the two defeats this season are against two teams now that are top of the table. So do, do you get... Um, sort of a chance to to go and watch the women's team much or obviously you know we if there's a we all follow them but um yeah yeah no i've 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 seen a few games i saw uh, i went to the um portsmouth away game um last year bizarrely and rather than the home games are a little bit more more difficult but i, I have gone to see them and the you know I, I was disappointed that it didn't end up with more at the end of last year because it looked for a long time as if that they would at least get to this ridiculous end of season playoff, and then, which of course isn't there this year. But you, there's so little margin for error that a couple of bad results at the start of this season, and they're really on the back mm. foot as they they look to replace Liam Gilbert. Um, I don't think they're far away from a new manager uh, for for the United Women, um, but I, I feel like it's going to be a difficult challenge to live up to to what happened last year with some of the players that have moved on, and obviously the manager moving on as well. Um, but it's clearly a really important um, area of development for United as a club. And I feel like, OK, if it isn't going to be a season where they can absolutely challenge for promotion, the, the challenge then becomes to develop as a, as a team and as part of the club. Um, so it is stronger in every facet going forward. Yeah, I think there's a, a danger here. Obviously, we saw it with the uh, playoff final against Wickham. Uh, and and playoff campaigns in general, you see the the team that sort of lose out on promotion only just. Obviously, we saw it with MK Dons last season. There's often a hangover at the beginning of the next season, um, and I I think that might be part of what the 
the women's first team are, are suffering from. They got so close. They played so well. It was really exciting. Um, and I think this season almost has to become one of, of consolidation. Uh, and as you say, Jerome, if, if that can lead them into strengthening everything so next season they can go mm. again. Uh, I mean, if, if they can this season, then great. But if they can't, then it, it's just important to improve so you're in a better place. With yeah, better in the long run, it might be year. a blessing. It might be a blessing if, if we know that it is going to be difficult and therefore work can be done to build foundations. So when there is success in the future, it's sustainable. Uh, we know that Kath listened, so hi, Kath, um, whilst we're talking about the uh, the women's first team. And, and with are you, are you not in my in my campaign to make Kath the, the new manager? Uh, we suggested it almost straight away. I, in the I know Kath isn't chat. in this campaign, though, is she? No, <laughs> she is dead against it. But she, I've said it on this podcast so many times, she knows more about football uh, than I could ever, than, you know, you could add up most football fans and they wouldn't come close to what she knows and and her tactical insight her her management ability is incredible um and if if any listeners get the chance to watch a game with her and and listen to her talk about it she's so knowledgeable and it's it's fascinating and consequently you know she's she's working for the club now so she's not on this podcast and that's why you get such dribble on this pod <laughs> And we've upped the drivel level, definitely, <laughs> this week. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Can we, at some point, revisit you You wouldn't have any sort of biscuit? No, I didn't say I wouldn't have any biscuit. I just wouldn't have a bourbon or a custard cream. What's your go-to? Now we've moved on now. We're on football. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking about the sustainability of, of the women's team, you know, moving forward. And oh, here comes an amazing back. link. Well, no, I mean, sustainability for the club overall. Um, obviously, over the next couple of weeks, we'll be hearing a lot about the importance of the council cabinet decision on leasing or, or selling the land at the triangle to the club. Um, and, and you talked about the, the the press box at the Kassam, you know, being uh, being done on a bit of a budget. I mean, let's let's sort of avoid all the the, the political issues there. But from a right. This, if you were designing the uh, the the press area at a potential new stadium, what what would be the uh, the the most important bit? Beer on tap. Yeah. <laughs> when no, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> we want no temptation. The funny enough, actually, the Kassam is 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 pretty good. You, you get the visiting media, and they're perfectly happy with it. It's not it's not bad at all obviously like anybody you you want to be relatively central so sometimes because we're offset to the left of the halfway line there's a scramble in front of the east stand you kind of you you're a little bit unsure unsure sometimes um about just you know who who might have got the final touch on a on a goldmouth scramble or something like that but no actually I don't have I don't have any complaints at all about the the situation that we're in at the Kassam um so I'd take exactly the exactly the same obviously these days it's a little bit more about the technology um in the entire length of time at the Kassam we've been kind of broadcasting using these ISDN lines which are like old-fashioned TV, uh, telephone lines that were used to generate computer messages before broadband was a thing mm. now it's pretty much only broadcasters that are using them so I guess when United are at a new stadium will be on a, a much new uh, much newer 
um, broadband based broadcast system. So I just want that to really work well. Yeah. That's it. We don't ask for much. <laughs> and on the halfway line, that would. Be, and if it could yeah, be yeah, over yeah. the halfway line, that would be great. But I somehow believe that, that you can probably make more money selling those to corporate clients well, that, yeah. that the media won't be looked after <laughs> quite as well. I mean, one of the things talking about the, you know the, that um, the importance of of media. I think you know from my point of view, my dad no, you know, can't get to games anymore, but he listens, and I'm sure. It, it, something that's been talked about, like I say, about the triangle and, oh, there's only this many fans responded that, you know, the club only get this number at games. Around the county, there there must be, you know, countless numbers who, who listen in on a Saturday, listen to yourself and, and Nathan and Nick, Rosie, and and find that connection still to the club that, that Radio Oxford provides. Yeah, um, Simon, we're I very lucky. Uh, yes, you we know, as a League One club to get you know, live match commentary for every single game is fantastic. Well, I'm grateful for you saying that. And I, I think it's also worth thinking about the fact that the reality is that whilst there are a, a real hardcore of, of, of fans that will go to every home game and most of the away games, that's not the reality for a lot of people based on family pressures, finance pressures, et cetera, et cetera. So if you look at United's um, kind of, mailing list if you like whilst there will be thousands of people who do fit into that category there'll be thousands more that don't mm. and where i feel that the radio oxford comes in is is it's the it's the vehicle that gives people that go to six games a season access so they can be oxford united fans they can list it as their their club they can consider it their club but they feel very much involved one of the things i've liked about kind of the development of i follow has been and I suspect this new Sky deal going forward might make bring this under a little bit of pressure. But it it means that if you are an Oxford United fan who is watching the game in Tasmania, you are hearing the same coverage as somebody who's uh, listening to the game in Tame or is sat in the car park coming out of the match after the game. And I feel that, you know, what we were talking about at the start of, of the pod, that that kind of um, that family thing is 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 stronger as a result. Now that might be challenged if United genuinely um, achieve their top thirty club ambitions, because it's not something that, in my opinion, you, you get if you're a Liverpool fan or a Man United fan, or maybe even a a fan of Sunderland. Um, you know, some of the top clubs in in the Championship. But we do have it, and if it could be protected, I think that would be really good. And I think from from our point of view in the local media, it's about um, it's about from connecting those fans that aren't sat with the ability or or the inclination even to be on the club's website or the club's Twitter feed or whatever it is every day, but actually is a really important um, members of the fan base and also people are going to spend money at the club over time. Mm. I think a funny thing as well is um we attach in our memories a lot of kind of moments that we've heard on radio oxford to our a lot of our memories watching the side i mean the weird thing with you know i mean i was at the the conference playoff final in 2010 with you know 30,000 others and when i think about alfie potter's goal now at the end of that i hear your back on the coupon thing in my mind <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't hear that at the time, obviously, because I was in the ground. But it's yeah. funny. I kind of associate the two with each other now, and I think people, you know, well, it's, it's it's funny because you know I mentioned the Milk Cup final, and I was there with thirty odd thousand Oxford United fans there, 
And yet, when I think about Jeremy Charles scoring the third goal, I think of Nick's commentary. Yeah. I, I had nothing to do with Radio Oxford at the time, but I can, you know, in my mind, I'm, I'm visualising what I can remember from behind the goal, coupled with Nick's commentary about Jeremy Charles bringing the Milk Cup to Oxford and surely that is it. And I know exactly what you mean. And I think it, it, those connections are were there 40, the best part of 40 years ago for me. They're, hopefully they're, they're still there now. And I do hope that they can be, um, you know, we can we can continue them in in the best way, but in the modern era as well. Yeah, because yeah, there's, there's so many different channels for people to now get their get their fix of football. You know, like you said, go back to the Milk Cup. It was it was on one of probably four channels at the time, um, and and you know, radio was the other option. There wasn't mm. there wasn't the social media, wasn't the YouTube, and all of that sort of stuff. So there's a there's a sort of a a, uh, a challenge, not not the right word, but there's there's a competition there now for for the younger listener, the younger you know the viewer or whatever to 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 get their their information, their their feed from Oxford, from Oxford United. Yeah, and I think actually podcasts like this have have their their importance increasingly as well because not specifically talking about Oxford, but actually you can see this happening with sports clubs, never mind football clubs, but sports clubs globally, where the 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 clubs beneath the very top level uh, are pretty much only covered by themselves. Uh, the ac- mm. access is, is limited and therefore uh, kind of debate about the clubs tends to be limited as a result. So unless you've got um, fan-led podcasts or or strong kind of independent media then then you don't have that and i feel like you know the tendency in in sports coverage in the media generally is to to follow what's going on in the united states but two or three years later that's kind of the way it's going here and it's going to be interesting to see how it how it evolves but it's something to keep an eye on i'm aware of times i don't know if anyone else wants to (laughs) chip in before jerome has to leave us uh, no, I'd just like to say thanks very much for coming on, Jerome. Um, it's uh, it's lovely to have you. And I'd see I I don't live locally anymore, so I don't see you on on TV. Um, Nor does anybody else, Liam. You, because you don't live locally, that he won't know that they binned <laughs> off the TV about six months ago. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, but I I have the kind of reverse thing where when I first met you, it was trying to put the the voice to the face type thing because I, I I didn't know what you look like so I've I've still got that <laughs> going on but it's it's so lovely to have your voice on our podcast so thank you so much for coming on well it's yeah, lovely to be here and as you're so nice I'll tell you ginger nut is probably my go-to biscuit oh okay I was expecting <laughs> to know if um <laughs> got manager at the moment, yeah. but that's not happening. no he's not gonna say <laughs> um, so things we learned from um Jerome being on the podcast uh Nathan Cooper sometimes listens, and so does George Ellick. So I'm happy with that. Yeah. So hi, yeah. <laughs> hi, Nathan. Hi, Nathan. hi George. Hi. I guess we should talk about the stadium. Well, yeah. I mean the um, the decision um, on whether to lease the the uh, the land or or potentially sell the land. It's certainly, reading the well, the the report that um, was published a couple of days ago. Um, Sort of mentioned rather than necessarily leasing that that a sale might be better for the county council. Obviously, that's a decision still to be made whether that deal, lease or or sale goes ahead. Um, but it's 
if you're if you're listening to this actually and you haven't yet written to your you're an Oxfordshire resident you need to be to do this but well no not not strictly true you, you can still write to the county council and explain that you're you know an Oxford fan living outside the county but if certainly if you're a if you're a county resident and you can write to the council go on to the oxfox.org.uk website there's a bit on there about um who to write to and it's writing to the council cabinet and and, and just reiterating what we all believe the club needs in terms of the new stadium what it means all of that sort of stuff so that's something to be done before that decision is made on the 19th i yeah I, one thing i find pretty interesting is the the whole like oh yeah but you don't live you don't live mm. here you don't yeah i live outside of oxford of oxfordshire but i would be using it so mm. Of course, my opinion counts. Yeah, I don't see that that's an argument, really. You, well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't live near it. No, I wouldn't, but I'd be using it. Mm. So yeah, I want it these, there. So these that arguments, I can use it. These arguments are literally just anything that they can find. Yeah, you know, like you've got now a well-known campaigner going on talking about how a lot of Oxford fans didn't vote, and that says a lot. But, well, what about the rest of the Kidlington? lot who didn't vote in your thing that you called you know it's the same argument mm. rehashed in their favor yeah. you know and it's just it's it's fine keep doing it because we'll worry when you have something of substance it was it, the the phrase that was used it was apparently it was a scandal that people outside of the county had their say and like you say i mean <laughs> i live in tame uh, there are parts of buckinghamshire that are closer to that triangle plot of land than 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 tame and if you're you know you talk about places like brackley in northamptonshire or aylesbury in buckinghamshire they're as close if not closer than than henley in the south of the county and banbury in the north of the county and and up until a, a, a few well i say a few years ago i think it was maybe in the eight seventies 70s or 80s the berkshire 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 county boundary was about two and a half miles away from that triangle of land i'd, I'd hate to think what those campaigners would have thought of people from Berkshire having their say about the the um, the, the stadium, but you're right. It, it it it's it must it goes beyond the count the you know the immediate area. It goes beyond the county area. You know it, it, it mm. the the response that they had for this this consultation and the first consultation far out out outperformed any other consultation that the county council have ever taken part in it you know normally they'll get a couple hundred people talking about you know a building being built somewhere and and, and really small responses the, like you say they were people are quite happy to say how huge the parish poll turnout was well this consultation turnout is far exceeds anything that's ever been done by Oxfordshire county council so it's it's of importance to a lot of people. I think the um the other thing to to kind of say is is that um when when this all first started, there were perfectly valid op- um, objections that people, some local people in Kidlington raised. But the club have done very well to address these. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with a stadium being built next to you and raising questions about it. You should. No, of course Absolutely. not. Like, if, if anything impacts where you can park, like anything like that, it, yeah. of course you can raise those questions. And then it's up to the club to address them. Yeah, which, which they've done very well. 
which which they have there they're not, mm. they're not hiding away from it no. and I they'll think continue they could... to do as the planning process goes through you know the what we've seen we've all seen those sort of overviews and and sort of rough sketches if you like the planning itself will have so much detail it will it will blow your mind yeah i think something that was very interesting that came out you did mention it briefly simon is that they're they're looking at a freehold option mm. i was quite surprised by that um i thought that the council would want to even though it's a 250 year lease they were talking about i know they put a table out didn't they to say the pros and cons of yeah this is yeah. what would work for value us value for money and and yeah and, and um, like so and i i think you know i'm sure it's it, it's something that we've not reached yet but i'd like to think the council would put something in place that says if we sell you this on a freehold basis you can't strip it away from the club in 20 years' time, say. Yeah. Because that's yeah. literally the situation with Firoz Kassam right now. Precisely. Um, and it's not a, me- a measure of distrust in the current ownership. It's protecting our football club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, because it isn't necessarily them that might do that. It's the owner in 20, right. 30, yeah, 40 exactly. years. Yeah, yeah, that's the point. No, a- absolutely. And, it, you know, obviously the county council will be you know, as a duty of care and a legal obligation to do that, um, you know, speak, I'm not speaking on behalf of Oxford, but, you know, an Oxford member, committee member, that's that's certainly something that is on the radar of Oxfox, and I'm yeah. sure it's on the radar of every single Oxford fan who's who's taken an interest in this. It's, it's definitely something that will be very, well, very I'm, much scrutinised, you know. It, I'm it, sure like the say, council as again. well. The council must be aware you know, it, if a lot of our sort of, not argument, argument sounds quite aggressive, but a lot of our points are we're going to be homeless soon mm. because mm. this wasn't put in place before. And, yeah. and when it wasn't put in place yeah. before, it was a combination of the club, the owner and the council left it in the state it's now in. Yeah. So let's not have this happen again. And I'm I'm mm. sure I've heard that said um, in the past in, in one of the the hearings they've had and yeah hopefully the 19th brings there's a game that night isn't there but i think the meetings in the afternoon meeting yeah yeah, yeah. in a similar way to that there was a game after the yeah. um the a deci- one of the <laughs> I can't, i'm losing track of uh, of which meetings and which decisions at council the game was, Wickham. Level was Wickham. Lost. it was it was yes. wasn't <laughs> at the beginning of the run oh, yes oh, so like yeah. 14 game run yeah. oh yeah yeah so Hey, yeah, I think that's right. It was we'd we'd had the Arsenal game, which we'd lost, but that came after a decent run of form. Um, yeah, and then went into I think the uh the um Abyss. The Wickham game. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, let's move on from that, shall we? Let's move on from that from those times. I'd like um, to say now that not because Jerome's off, but um my officials rant on wasn't it the game um, to anyone that has, has listened to that. I am not in any way arguing with the red, the red card for Harris, because I didn't see the incident, the red card for Lee, because it, it, he, even though I don't think it was a booking, he knew he was on a booking. Yeah. And then the second one absolutely was one. I'm not saying that the penalty wasn't a penalty. I'm talking about the inconsistencies throughout the rest of the game. The referee was awful. Um, and I'd just like to to say that I'm not in any way saying that it wasn't you know, that neither were red cards or that it wasn't a penalty. The ref was still shockingly bad, um, and it's it's just not good enough. 
Um, and I, I, I'm sort of tempted to say at this point, I've, I've had enough of hearing they've got a difficult job. Um, doctors so, and nurses but, have difficult yeah, jobs. Uh, yeah. How do we improve uh, you know, it? How do we, you know, I, I, there was an article today about um, how, you know, VAR got something drastically wrong in, in a game um, at the weekend. And, uh, and it referenced, you know, ex-pros who, who will often complain about officials. Well, they've not played the game, have they? The, you know, they, 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 they've not played the game at a high level. Uh, and its managers will say the same thing. Pundits will say the same thing. Equally, you know, those managers and those players and ex-players, pundits, haven't refereed the game at any mm. high level. You know, it's it's I should we, you know, could we fast track players into being referees? You know, I I, I said on, on our little chat group, I'd, I'd love the next time one of those ex-pros or managers says, well, they've not played the game at a high level, say, well, have you refereed the game at a high level? No. So there's a you know it, it it is difficult it is a difficult job you know um, but I just really, I, how many how many difficult yeah. jobs are there are loads of difficult jobs that if you do something wrong you get called out on it of yeah. course oh, you yeah. do no, you've got to absolutely. get called out on it yeah. you don't go yeah. as I said doctors and nurses firefighters all all mm. of these people they're the, the sort of obvious ones to go to when a bank manager screws up you don't get people going well it's a difficult job though isn't it. <laughs> No, they get called to task. Of mm. course they do, and they should, because they have trained to do a job and they're not doing it properly. I, I, I Well, I wouldn't want to be a referee. Neither would I, so I've not applied to be a referee. I've not <laughs> gone through the training. But I'm, as soon as you do, you're there to be questioned when you do it yeah. badly. I, I guess it, it's that I'm, I'm being influenced here. You know, Jerome has left us, but he, as a BBC man, I'm I'm kind of doing the same, and I'm offering that balance of <laughs> here. Yeah, that's you know. fine. But Jerome has gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we can just we can all pile referees. in on referees. But, <laughs> yeah, but but at, at some point that there, there there needs to be a okay. Yeah, he was he was poor. I, absolutely, I can't disagree with anything you said about that that um, that performance. It was you know it was poor. How do we improve that? Can we improve that? Is is that the level? I remember once, I, I can't remember at what level it was, but a referee being shouted at by a player on the pitch, oi, ref, you're useless. And he came back with, well, I'm at the right level for refereeing you. So if you want better referees, you've got to be a better player and play at a higher level. And it's that, well, maybe this is the level of referee we get at League One because that's League One level referees. There aren't enough to go round. You know, it, it's, it's a difficult... At, at, at this level, yes, there's a, there's a huge amount of scrutiny, but they're not going to get attacked by players, which happens at kind of you know Sunday morning football, Saturday, well, and you see it a lot, you know, in South America and so yeah, on. And you know, it, it's how do we improve it? It's I, a question I asked once of of Carl Robinson at one of the fans forums. You know, he, he complained about referees. How do, how do you improve it? Why aren't players being encouraged? You know, if they don't make it as a professional level, rather than going and playing non-league, you know, locally or whatever, why not train and, and become a referee? I think there is, I mean, I might be ignorant in this, but I think that the level of professionalism in terms of the training and pay and that sort of thing, there is a discrepancy in the players at the level and the referee at the level. Mm. So, yeah. you know, that maybe the whole system needs to be shaped up. 
Mm. And it's quite, I mean, you do get people who do want to grow up being a referee, but it's much easier to grow up and be your favourite footballer who talks after every game and you listen well, to him and they yeah. do all of that, you know, because they're a person. Mm. That's know? something I was going to say, actually. I've been listening to the Rest is Football podcast. Um, I'm not a huge follower of the of the Premier League, um, but when I do follow the Premier League, I am a bit of a fan of Lineker, Shearer, Richards, um, mm. who are, are the sort of presenters on that. Um, and they have Howard Webb on, who, who talks things through and explains things, and it's so much better. Like, I've, yeah, I, I don't see why they're not called to task when they get things wrong. It's all brushed under the carpet and ignored, and I don't see how you can respect someone who is never called out when they get things wrong. If they are called out, say it. They've mm. been called out. They've been they've been told this or that or whatever because all we get at the moment is every so often there'll be a referee that gets demoted two divisions and that makes the, the press. But, yeah. you know, that can't be the only time they're questioned about things that they do wrong. True. Uh, playing that devil's advocate sort of BBC neutrality bit, it's you know they're, they're making honest mistakes they might be incompetent but they're you've then got 22 players plus subs plus managers about the, the number you know we have cheats in our team I, i'm gonna say it you know there will be players who will feign injury there will be players that go down when there's no contact and mm. it's that's where i think you're you... a liar simon <laughs> i don't like you. I, I tell you what you right, know I... I, no, I agree i'd love i you know yeah let's improve that that standard paul made a great point there's a massive discrepancy between what referees get paid and what players get paid now yeah. if 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 somehow it wouldn't necessarily improve the standard just because you're paying them more but it might actually make it make more people want to do it well, it might, yeah. and it might be that footballers, you know, at that low level, you know, let's let's pick a, you know, a player that might not make it at Oxford, but will go and play for Abingdon or Didcot or where Hungerford, you know, local non-league tier, whatever. Now they might be getting as much pay doing that playing football at that level as you would be in a referee at League One or what, or League mm. Two or whatever. So why not do something that makes that more attractive for somebody yeah. who loves the game? You know, that give well, I mean it, create that career path. It would increase the quality because you'd have a bigger pool to come from. Yeah. You know, that's that's the way it is. I mean mm. the, and the problem if, is you'd get an immediate that wouldn't work for a while. No, no. But it needs to even itself out, yeah. you know. I mean, in a sense, you've had it with the women's game. Because mm. they're suddenly started to get more recognition, and lo and behold, they're actually doing a lot better. Liam mentioned a podcast he listens to. Another podcast, I think I've mentioned this on here before. It was out about five, six, seven years ago, something like that. There was a podcast Jimmy Bullard and Rob Beckett did called The Magic Sponge, right? It was a really good little series. And they interviewed uh, Jeff Winter, right, who mm. was long since retired, but was a ref, was refing sort of 15, 20 years ago. And um, Bullard tells that he that because they're talking to a ref, they they start talking about refs' experiences and that sort of thing, and and he kind of turns it back on them and says, you know, what what were players and managers kind of what was their attitude in the dressing room towards refs? And Bullard talks about when he played for Roy Hodgson at Fulham, 
And he says that at home games, Hodgson would go into the dressing room, go up to the captain, whose name escapes me now, but the captain of Fulham at the time, and would say, right, first 15 minutes, this guy's weak, get in the box, go over and get right in his ear. And he's going to have to give one of them because the fans will be on his case instantly. That's his experience of what, of something that a ref is exposed to, which is completely unfair, which is we wouldn't know about because we're not, we're not party to anything like that. Those conversations that go on and refs, the policy seems to be, they never say anything. They, and, mm. and like you say, Liam, it's great that, you know, um, Howard Webb is explaining these kind of things and it kind of brings a harmony when you can just hear an explanation. <laughs> well, even if it, it happened, I, there was a David I, Ellery got yeah, with Tony Adams. Yeah. yeah, yeah, where he they were filming him for a game, and there were cameras in the recording in the referees' changing room. At which point, yeah, I think it was you're right. Tony Adams appears at the door, starts to have a go, and then they said, "Oh, by the way, Tony, you know, we're doing a documentary." He was like, "I'll leave it then." You yeah, know, no, because he didn't well, want to be yeah. shown to be saying what. And I can I I remember what it was okay, I was yeah, going to yeah, say, yeah. but it was that okay. Players and pundits and, and managers saying, well, referees haven't played the game. If we get players then who have played the game to become referees, either we'll find out that, that you know, all these pundits and players and whatever and managers are right. And you'll improve it by having players who have played the game becoming referees or it'll actually show that no players who played the game have no better idea of how to referee a game than, than the current batch of referees. Uh, but at least mm. let's let's try it. Let's do something to 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 whatever it is is better than after the game hearing absolutely nothing except Mark Harris was sent off for a stamp. Yeah, when <laughs> he yeah. like when when the the footage is watched back, it was an elbow. Well, mm. what good is that? You've you've got when you send someone off, you've got to be a hundred percent sure this is the right thing to do. Yeah. You can't just send him off going. I've heard there was a stamp. There was not a stamp. You've heard wrong. Whatever it was, and then to say to the the manager, because in the in the press on the the dub they played the the clip, he was sent off for a stamp or two. What mm. is that? Well, yeah, he didn't no, stamp, exactly. so you've got it no, wrong. No. You're right. He Just did because you've ended up with getting the right off. decision, which was a sending off. You yeah, you're right. You can't mm. guess at it, and and you know it's it's like so you what know, happens you can't send then? someone down for for doing you know robbery when actually what they've done is you know assault. Well, so does he no, they, does he get any wrong, sort so of comeuppance for guessing, even if he guessed probably it wrong? Not. Probably so not. where where how can we respect anyone mm-hmm. that that cannot be in any way like it's the golden child? You can do no wrong. Mm. Well, of course I'm not going to respect you then, because why should I? There's no integrity there whatsoever. Yeah. You've yeah. guessed something. That's what that has proved, and it, or or you've been told it and you've been told mm. it wrong. Yeah, and the thing is as well, he, the, the the first few like fifteen minutes or so, the Port Vale fans were on his back because of decisions mm-hmm. that he was making. He wasn't great at his job, and the man, no, their no. coaching team got a yellow card for complaining about you know his actions. Mm. Like he didn't manage the game well. No, like for both sides. Obviously, Port Vale probably aren't going to complain too much. No. But if the result had been, we'd ended up with Mark Harris staying on the pitch because the referee missed it, then you'd have had their manager coming out and saying how disgusting it was. You know, he wasn't a great referee. um, True. But I think... Players cheating don't help. No. It doesn't help. But but then you... It's part of the training. You know that that's what you're going to expect. And yeah. I think we have 
Yeah, but part of the training of players should also be don't cheat. Don't cheat. Don't try to deceive a referee. I think there's a two-way street here. I think players are as bad as officials. Which I understand. But in that case, when a player dives, book them. No, they let them get away with it. When a player argues... Do all those things that are they are and, tools and maybe that you have. don't and that that whole thing with pundit going back to pundits where you've got pundits in studios. If it had gone down, about... it would have been a penalty today about um, Harris sort of apologising for mm. reacting, and yeah. a load of Paul Bale fans responded straight away. So they've obviously got those notifications going um, <laughs> to say that. Um, oh, but I thought he didn't do anything. Any Port Vale fans that are keen enough to listen, I say two things to you. I am not arguing about whether or not it's a red card or the second one or the penalty. I just think the ref was bad and should be held to account. The other thing I'll say to you, any Port Vale fans out there, is come and see Pantomime at the Mitchell Arts Centre where you'll see you Little Burton as the lovable bun, uh, muddled, not buns, same, think, same character. I think if you're going to ask for consistency, then you've got to be asking why pinching and scratching and things, which mm. is being yeah. praised yeah. as if it's an achievement. Yeah, or no, the dark that, arts. That's, that's, or he's yeah. good like, at that. Yeah. Just because it can't be seen does not mm. make for it right. Why? No. Why would you? Why would you say that with how proud you are? You know, it's a, it's a like I don't know how the referee would have seen that. But if you go up showing scratches and stuff throughout the the match, you know, it will put that doubt. It, yeah, yeah, but you, you but know so, that all that will do is have people scratching themselves. Or... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, it, it's, uh, for me, it's a red card both ways. If you've got somebody who is, you know, openly, and it, like he obviously gets away with it most of the time, like there's, pinching there's a, and that, that dark art, it, it's just a level that you don't go past. There's, there's a story in John Aldridge's autobiography, going back to fa- Jerome's favourite player, John Aldridge, yeah. and there's a, there's a story... Um, he's playing in Spain. He's getting, you know, constant digs from the centre half, giving him grief, all of that. Mm. And off the ball, Aldridge El- El- elbows him in the face. Guy yeah. falls over. He's, you know, oh my face. And John Aldridge is what, sort of that that you know, arms apart, shrug. What me? No, never touched him. Nothing. You can't. No, nothing. Nothing. Then they point to John Aldridge's elbow, which is bleeding. And uh, I'm not sure if there's a tooth stuck in it, but it's certainly clear <laughs> what's happened. Uh, you know, so, and, and I think he got sent off and he was like, oh, fair enough, you know. But it's that, well, you know, he's he's doing that. Now, if, if there's a referee listening to this at this point, um, whatever level, we might get some referees who, who are listening. Maybe this is for another pod and we, we get somebody on who's a referee with, with a little bit of insight and um, we expand it a bit further and, and mm. get, get a, a referee's insight on this. Cause I think it is something that like we all say, you know, we want better referees we, and the referees want to be better. You know, they're, they're, mm. you know, they, they will agree with that. They'll, they'll, they want to get every decision, right. Um, yeah. Won't always happen, but maybe that's, that's something for another pod. And, and if you are a referee at whatever level, um, and you fancy coming on? Go away! Be... <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, yeah. sorry, Simon. Do, do your own thing. I just it just came out. I didn't know what. Was yeah, happening. no, that's fair enough. <laughs> that's fair enough. But it, no, know, it, it, it would be a good conversation because, I mean, I'm talking to to you three, and we do have different opinions about about it. And I'm sure that there'll be plenty of referees that disagree with what they're being told to do or how they're being mm. told to manage. There'll be some that agree completely. But it is 
I mean, it's a, an interesting topic. Um, and one thing that um, Howard Webb says is he managed or he refereed a game um, that Newcastle were playing in uh, when Shearer was manager. And he blew the whistle too early. He blew for a foul too early, and the ball ended up in the back of the net, and it cost Newcastle a point. Mm. And they went down three or four games later by a point. And he came off that last game of the season and straight away checked the Newcastle result, mm. hoping that they'd got something from the game and that they'd stayed up because he knew that he had made a mistake. Yeah. Honest well, mistake. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And well, let's hear that then. <laughs> why yeah, are we right. hearing that you know yeah, at the yeah. end like yeah. how long ago was that when we share a manager is it I mean we're not going to get Howard Webb on, but Trevor Kettle if you're listening give us a shout you know um honestly I'll be busy that day that's <laughs> <laughs> not you Darren Deadman you go on. <laughs> Um, it, um, um this one thing I want to say because some pedant on Twitter will correct us. It was George Graham waiting to speak to David Ellery, not Tony okay, Adams. Fair and enough. but Tony Adams was on the pitch. Yeah. And there's a really funny moment where because he's about six foot five, and David Ellery's like the Eton head uh, schoolmaster. Yeah. And is, is about he five foot or... and well spoken. Yeah. And he's booking um uh, Tony Adams, who does that thing footballers do when they don't want to look a ref in the eye, they kind of bend over and pretend yeah. they're messing with their shoes. Yeah. And uh, he, um, Ellery just does this brilliant stand up. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's, it's worth a watch if you haven't seen it. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Um, well, we could talk about referees for, for an awfully long time. Um, I think I think they should probably be its own pod at this point. Yeah, I think so. Like like I say, if if you're a referee listening, or or if you're listening and you know a referee, you know, uh, uh, whatever level. I mean, it it would be nice if it was a referee that 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 referees at a decent standard, because um, we get more of an insight than you know than somebody who's doing Sunday morning ref. But equally, that that's another like I say, that's another story. That you know the the abuse that referees get at that low level. That might make a, you know an interesting well, pod as well. But parents are apparently the worst. Yeah. Parents of the sort of under twelve leagues, mm. uh, horrendous from what I understand. Yeah, mm. yeah. So it, it, it yeah, it, it might be something we do as a, as a as a full pod. Um, shall we move on to games? Well, not games coming up because the Lincoln game's been postponed because we have got so many internationals now. Um, yeah. Oh, but Tyler Goodrum's injured. Yes. Yeah, um, that is something that's that's come up today. But the idea is he's come back, so he's hopefully fit for our next game. So, yeah. you know, it doesn't look like it's a, a leg break or anything, no. but it, it, he is injured, and that's worth bearing in mind. And I sort of yeah, got it a feel for Man for United, him. didn't it? You know, Alex under Alex Ferguson, there were an awful lot of Man United players who used to uh, not play um, mm. internationals, but uh, so mm. that might be like you say, getting fit for the Fleetwood game. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, he's gone into the the build up to the game was him saying, oh, "I really love to play international football," and he gets his like citizenship. Like I think he was looking forward to it. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, we'll, uh, yeah. We'll... You've got to feel for him because it's it is such an honour. Um, but you know, it it's dual citizenship. So let's get him in the England squad. Indeed, that might be. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah, that might be it. So uh, we'll um, we'll perhaps reconvene before the Fleetwood game um, and and talk about that one, um, or maybe not. 
might be that we we uh, we wait until that one's finished. So uh, we won't make predictions for Fleetwood. Um, no, never again. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, but if you're going to Fleetwood, enjoy that one. Um, and then extra. Let's home. hope we don't hear that bloody song. You know, we're looking at the. It's funny, isn't it? We're looking at games coming up, and you're kind of thinking, okay, well, we've uh, we've we've played Derby and Barnsley and Charlton, so it must get easier. And it's kind of. Well, Exeter and then Stevenage. Um, uh, yeah, that's not going to get any easier, is it? It's um, no. you know, and it's where are Fleetwood in terms of their manager search now? Because it's uh, I know yes. there's lots of talk about um, KR. Mm. Well, that yes, that would be that would be fun, wouldn't it? That would be an interesting development. Uh, yeah. it's, it's kind of not far from his home home city. Um, maybe he fancies that. We shall see. Um, before we go, the, the usual kind of we, uh, Jerome did hi Tim, so hi to Tim and, and anyone else who uh, who says hello and we know. Um, any other business before we before we sign off? I think so. That's a no. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird um, with international breaks. Yeah. Well, we'll. I, th- I, I guess we'll 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 know why. Perhaps uh, Jerome couldn't say anything about Liam Manning and the uh, manager of the month. We'll see. That's obviously been decided, but we can't say. So, um, yeah, just to say, we're recording this on Thursday night. So it might go out tomorrow night. So we'll already know. So this probably all sounds out of date now. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Like most of our stuff, (laughs) irrelevant and misinformed, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. I thought that was, I really enjoyed listening to Jerome. He's a, you know, like we've said, I think the the work that Radio Oxford do um, for for those that can't make the game and those that can, you know, the the, the aftermatch and, and all of that sort of stuff, I think we're, we are very lucky with it and uh, long may it continue. And we know yeah, that, I mean, like George really and Nate. Apart from forgetting my name. Well, well, yeah. it, well you didn't for, say it. It wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> your name, it was you as a person. Um <laughs> I think if, uh, like, hi, uh, we said hi, George, and hi, Nathan, because they obviously avid listeners. But um, Ben and Nick, if uh, if you listen, <laughs> Jerome didn't think you did. So really kick off next time you yeah. do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Hi, Nick. Hi, Ben. Yeah. Super. Well, thank you, everyone. Um, all, all that's left is to say take care of yourselves and take care of each other. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.